Hello, my name is Meg. Welcome to the Unedited Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. The goal of this podcast is to help you both develop and enjoy the habit of daily Bible reading and prayer. About 20 years ago, at a very low spot in my life, I was convicted to begin this simple discipline, and I looked up years down the road to see how God had used this habit to heal deep places in my heart and do incredible things in my life. So over the years, it's really become my greatest passion to help others get to know Jesus through His Word and through His presence. Through this podcast, I'm hoping to help you see the Word of God with fresh eyes, to learn to slow down with your Bible, and ultimately to fall in love with Jesus and to fall in love with your Bible. So thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so incredibly grateful to have you. Today is Good Friday, a day that in the moment 2,000 years ago did not seem good, but in retrospect, looking back on it, it served a far greater good than anybody could imagine, and I am so thankful for a God who was willing to shed his blood to pay the price for your sin, my sin, the sins of all humanity. What a gift. How undeserving I am. How undeserving we are. And how good he is. Today's episode is very special. I will introduce it again in just a moment. Um, But my dear friend Maggie was willing to share with the unedited listeners today from a place of very deep pain And I'm so grateful for that. A few weeks ago, Maggie and I sat together during a church service and we danced to the song that says, you are good all the time and all the time you are good. And at some point during that song, it just struck me that here was a woman who has literally walked through some of the greatest pain imaginable and she's worshiping. Grief didn't win she can still worship God. She still loves God and she's still saying God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And I just sat down after that song finished and I wrote, you are good all the time and all the time you are good. It's more than catchy lyrics, it's theology. And Good Friday wasn't good, but I'm so, so thankful for it. And while life isn't always good, We live in a world that's still so affected and so ravaged by the fall and the curse and decay and death and disease are still such a huge part of our stories and rock our world so frequently. But in spite of that, God is at work and his word promises that all things work together for good somehow, some way. And so on this Good Friday, I want to share an interview on loss and grief with Maggie Anderson. Today is a very, very special episode. I have the incredible privilege of interviewing one of my dearest friends, Maggie Anderson. And we are going to be talking specifically about loss and the journey of grief. And I do know that this is probably going to be a difficult conversation for Maggie. And so I just am very grateful for her heart to share 
in an effort to minister to others. So thank you so much for being here today, Meg. Yes, I'm so honored to be here with you. Before we get started, I just want to share just a little bit of how Maggie and I became friends. I have known her since she was a little girl, probably about five or six years old, but she was 11 years younger than me. So she was just a cute little girl at that time. Then as things would turn out, when my kids were little, she ended up babysitting them and she was one of our babysitters. And when she was 19, we became friends kind of randomly and kind of by accident. Um, One night after a wedding, she ended up coming home with us and we sat up talking until about 3 a.m. And that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. And there were seasons of her young adult life where she practically lived with us. My kids basically considered her a sister and our family just loves her so much and is so proud of her. And I have had a front row seat to her life. I have watched God bring her through so many things. Um, We had the privilege to watch her meet her husband and I got to be in their wedding, which I was so grateful for. And more recently, I have watched her walk through Um, some of the deepest pain imaginable and walk into continued healing. She and I have continued to be super close for the last 15 years or so, and she's a huge blessing in my life. Maggie is the music director at our church. She's a Bible study teacher. She's a mom, and I want to let her share the rest of the story. So I will stop with her life story there or our friendship story. But um, about six months ago, I had told her that if she ever felt to do an interview on loss and grief, that we could schedule one. It was no pressure. The ball was in her court. Just if she ever felt that she would like to do that or felt it would be something she would be ready to do. And I did know it would be very difficult for her. But about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago, she reached out and said that the Lord had really just downloaded some things into her heart that she felt would be good to share. And so that's how we're here today. And this is one of the most brave things that I've seen a person do. And I'm just so grateful that you're willing to share Maggie and willing to do this interview. I'm so proud of you. And I know what you share here is going to be a blessing to many who are facing their own personal pain. So thank you again for being here. Can you just start by introducing yourself um, and sharing a little bit about your story? Yes. Hello, everybody. And thank you so much, Meg, for having me. Um, It truly is an honor to be here. And um, Meg has been a spiritual mentor in my life. And I can tell you firsthand that she lives what she preaches. And She really is the real deal, and I'm just so thankful and grateful for her friendship and her leadership in my life. Um, So a little bit about my story. I grew up in an apostolic church. Um, I have one brother, Reagan, who has recently been on the podcast. Um, My parents were very involved in ministry throughout my younger years, going into my teen years, and we were always at events. Um, and my dad was the youth pastor and then he evangelized for a while and ultimately became a pastor of a daughter work here in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. And I just remember at a young age, um, falling asleep under pews and waking up on Monday morning with my coat still on from Sunday night's throwdown church service. 
Um, but I, I always had a love and a sensitivity to God's presence. I wept and had breakthrough moments at altars, altar calls and had such incredible encounters with God, but it never developed into a personal daily relationship with God. Um, and as a young person, I desired a deeper relationship with God. Um, but I never really knew where to begin with reading my Bible, especially. <laughs> and I've just, I mean, I'll just be honest, uh, KJV, King James Version was so hard for me to grasp and just enjoy. And it really wasn't until later in my 20s that I began reading the New Living Translation. And that really transformed my life um, and how I you know, viewed the Bible and read the Bible and so if you're listening to this and that's how you've kind of felt, I just encourage you to read a version that you understand and that you really will actually read. Mm -hmm. um, so around the age of 23, um, I met Matt, who is now my husband at Crown Lift Trucks, where we both worked. Um, and he, to make a very long story short, he asked me for my number um, one one probably like six months after I started working there. And I gave him the first three digits. And then I told him that he could have the rest after he came to a friend Sunday at my church. <laughs> and to my surprise, he came and he never stopped coming. Um, he went through a Bible study then with my dad and then with my pastor. And before I knew it, he was involved in ministry. And I just remembered the moment when I realized he wasn't coming to church just for me anymore. He was actually, he had developed a relationship on his own with God and um, he was in it for whether I was there or not. And I just remember being like, wow, okay, this is Matt Anderson and he's in church. And I was just shocked. So uh, long story short, we were married in 2013, so 10 years ago now, uh, this year. And um, yeah, that's just the beginning of forever with Matt. And um, I can share a little bit more as we get into more questions, but that's kind of the nutshell version. That was quite a, a time um, <laughs> in your life. I remember that well. <laughs> yeah. and Oh, so many, so many um, happy moments during mm -hmm. that. So um, like I mentioned earlier, the reason that um, I had asked Maggie to be on the show is because she experienced um, an unexpected and unimaginable loss and has walked through a very difficult season of grief. We didn't plan it like this, but six years ago today, you lost your firstborn son. And since then, I've personally watched you walk this road of loss and subsequent healing. And I know you have a lot to say that can bless others in their own personal loss or really in any sort of pain they might be sharing. So we talked about you and Matt, you and Matt getting married. Can you share about Hudson with the unedited listeners? Yes. So like I said, Matt and I were married in 2013. Uh, we bought a home in 2015. And then in 2016, we got pregnant with our first baby boy. 
Um, we were especially excited because it did take a little while to get pregnant in the first place. And so he really was just a gift to us. Um, I love children and I always have. Meg, I even remember babysitting your kids when they were still in diapers. And I just, my dream was to be a mom and, and God was fulfilling that dream. And um, I had a perfectly healthy pregnancy with no complications. Um, everything was so smooth and just as we expected. And when we found out he was a boy, we named him Hudson and we called him by name throughout the rest of the pregnancy. And looking back now, that was so special to have named him before he was here. Um, at 40 weeks and four days, I was home and I came down with a fever all of a sudden. And I just remember calling the doctor and the nurse just kind of recommending um, I take some meds and lay down. Um, but shortly after I started having contractions with bro which brought us to the hospital and I assumed this was it. I was about to deliver our boy. Um, so they hooked me up to the monitors once we got there and Hudson's heart rate was good. And they basically told me it was most likely a false alarm because I was just very dehydrated. And so they wanted to run some tests given that I had had a fever earlier but when they took me off the monitor and put me back on, only minutes later, um, they could find no heartbeat for Hudson. And I just remember tons of nurses flooding the room and doing everything they knew to do to see if maybe it was just like his positioning and that it just wasn't tracking his heart rate. And I even remember at one point I felt him kick and one of the nurse's hands was right there. And she said, did you feel that? That was him kicking. And when they finally got an ultrasound machine in the room, um, the doctor then confirmed that our worst nightmare had become a reality. And We lost our boy. There was no heartbeat. And so immediately we opted to have an emergency C-section in hopes of saving his life. Um, I had to be put under. So I was, um, because it was an emergency situation. And I just remember, oh, I'll never forget before being put under they were they put the mask on my face and I knew I was like about to fall asleep I could feel it and I remember just telling God I said God I trust you and I trust your plan and I've had to really hold tight to those words in such a season of doubt and uncertainty and such confusion and so many unknowns, I've really had to declare with my voice what I wasn't always feeling. And when I woke up um, from that, I remember Matt was right next to me. And I just have to pause here and just say that Matt 
was there next to me then. And he, he really hasn't left my side ever since. He has been such an incredible support to me and really just a true anchor when waves hit hard. But he had some bad news that just crushed me and Hudson didn't make it and they tried to revive him and they tried everything they could, but um, it had been too long. And so there the journey began, a journey I was very unfamiliar with, the journey of grief. Wow. What an incredible loss that was. I am so marked by that night, by just those days that followed that, um, just watching you walk through that and, and cry one minute and weep one minute and laugh the next. It was just a little stretch of time in my life that I will never forget um can you tell us a little bit about those days right after losing Hudson when your pain was the most raw and fresh yeah so when they took me into the recovery room uh, I was met with a few friends and family you were there and I recall the first thing that I said was that I feel like I lost my purpose. Mm. I quit my job already and I was supposed to take care of Hudson and now he's gone. And so now what? And I was just so devastated. I mean, I hadn't ever even heard of this happening. Like, I just didn't think this was even an option like that this happens. And, but at the same time, I'll never forget the overwhelming amount of peace that I felt in that moment. Mm. It was the kind of peace that is only found in the presence of God. And I just knew many prayers were touching heaven in that moment, because how do you feel peace? (laughs) when you just lost your son, you know, like Mm. it had to only be God. And Jesus was with us in that moment. And it was so evident. Um, My pastor, Pastor Hanthorn was there uh, with us and fighting uh, through the weight of the moment. He shared the most beautiful scripture passage with us found in Job 14, seven through nine. And I'm going to read that now. It says, for there is hope of a tree, if it be cut down, that it will sprout again. And that the tender branch thereof will not cease. Though the root thereof wax old in the earth and the stock thereof die in the ground. Yet through the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth bows like a plant. And he spoke such hope into our lives in that moment. And it was really exactly what we needed. And and I'll never forget the the nurses then just coming in and, and asking if 
we wanted to hold Hudson yet and meet him. And I was just shocked. I, I didn't realize that we would be able to hold him or even see him. Um, I had never heard of this happening to anyone. And I was, you know, I just, I really, I, I didn't know anyone that this happened to. I hadn't even heard that, you know, technically this was a stillborn, a stillbirth. And I didn't know what was normal or what to expect. Uh, of course, we had him come. Um, we had H- Hudson come in then. I was like, well, yeah, of course. Like, we want to meet him um, and hold him. And we had him come in. And I just remember the first thing I mentioned upon holding him was, wow, he's so big. <laughs> uh, he was eight pounds, 13 ounces. 22 inches long and obviously like he was just heavy in that moment too just because of the situation but he was just big he was just a big boy and which made it all the more hard like he just was perfect there was nothing wrong like why is he not with us you know and it he looked just like his dad Matt and I just remember looking at him and and feeling like wow I'm looking at Matt Jr (laughs) but um I also remember feeling just so helpless I couldn't save him and I couldn't help him and it just broke my heart I was so shattered those first few days and I just uh, I was so broken I was just so broken and so just just shattered but I just remember um the prayers of of our church family and our friends and in those first few days they held Matt and I up flower scent I mean I'll never forget every flower arrangement that came into that hospital room and the prayers prayed and the people who came to hold Hudson it's really what kept us those first few days oh and don't ever underestimate the the power of prayer and the power of encouraging word and the power of just being there with I'll never forget the amount of peace and comfort I felt in that hospital room despite the agonizing pain I was in. Those four days are the only memories that I have of being with Hudson. And as as hard and heartbreaking as they were, I just cherish every single moment. And I'm, I'm just so glad I chose to be with him. I'm so glad that we were allowed to have him in the room and, you know, for those four days. Um, and, you know, even though he wasn't with us, you know, he was, he wasn't just a pregnancy. He was a part of our family and he was known by God. Mm-hmm. Jeremiah one five says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. <laughs> 
verse 14 says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and you knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Hudson was fearfully and wonderfully made and I just can't wait to be with him in heaven soon and very soon. (laughs) Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that is... from a very, very deep place. Um, Can you talk about the time when your pain was crippling or a time when your pain was crippling? How did you respond in those moments? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, So there really are many (laughs) crippling moments I could talk about. Um, But there are two that really stick out. Um, And one um, is the very, is just really tender to my heart. Um, because Matt was with me and it was the day that we decided to go into Hudson's room for the first time. We had waited a little while and we had his door shut for, for a few weeks and, and I'll just never, forget that moment with Matt and the conversation that we had as we walked into his room and just wept together. And we were sharing some really challenging questions and frustrations that we had, which by the way, is so healthy. Um, The enemy wants to keep us, you know, hidden, keep things hidden, you know, that, that we're feeling and, in darkness. He doesn't want us to bring to light what we are feeling because he wants us to feel isolated in our pain. And so I remember Matt shared with me that he prayed specifically for a smooth delivery and for a birth with no complications and how he would just felt extremely disappointed that those prayers weren't answered. And I'll just never forget you know, that crippling pain that we both felt kneeling in his room where he was, you know, where Hudson was supposed to be and just weeping together. And and looking back now, it really was a moment of bonding for Matt and I, uh, men and women, like we do grieve differently. Um, but in that moment, we were both grieving together. And, and in that moment, God gave me a specific word. And I just remember reaching over and taking Matt's hand and reminding him that we also prayed that Hudson would make it to heaven one day. Mm-hmm. And that we just have to believe that God did answer that prayer by taking uh, him sooner than we expected. I also remember um, the time that I had uh, gone to the orthodontist after. Um, so I had braces. Um, and so leading up to um, the pregnancy, all the whole pregnancy, I was going to the orthodontist every month. And um, so when I, when I, you know, after losing Hudson, I went for the first time. And I just remember walking in the dentist or the orthodontist office, and they greeted me with 
excitement, of course, asking, where's the baby? And wow. Um, I just think, you know, because everyone that I had come in contact with before that, like they knew me already and what had happened. And so Mm -hmm. being met with such anticipation to see Hudson, um, you know, from these people who didn't know what happened um, and having to tell them that he's not with me, um, that was so hard. I remember going into the bathroom eventually once I kind of, you know, explained and I went to the bathroom and I just said, God, how am I going to make it another day? Hmm. And yeah, it was just one of those moments that are just ingrained in my brain, you know, just such a... A hard, hard day. But again, I just, I said, God, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't, I really don't. But here I am six years later, you know, and we'll talk more a little bit about, you know, how, how God helped me through this journey. But, but yeah, those are two really just crippling moments that stand out to me. It reminds me of when Angie Meyer was on the podcast and she talked about one moment at a time, mm. one pain, one moment at one time. And it is almost, mm-hmm. I'm sure the same with grief sometimes that is just a moment by moment thing. And, you know, after loss, everybody else's life goes on. They're working, they're taking care of their kids, they're doing ministry, whatever their life entails. Um, Can you just talk a little bit about what your life looked like in the months after losing Hudson? Like you shared a little bit about, you know, being in the hospital, being surrounded by people, but what did it look like when everybody else's life went on? And can you just talk a little bit about what a practice what your day looks like, practically speaking. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, my pain and my loneliness during the months that followed Hudson's death, they drove me to the feet of Jesus and they really anchored me in his word and in his presence. Like you said, everyone else's life goes on and mine didn't. And for the first year, especially, it was still just as fresh and real as it was the day it happened. But I learned to really enjoy and love God's presence more than the presence of others. Mm. So I'm an extrovert. I love people. I love talking. I love parties. You, Meg, my fellow sanguine, know what that's all about. (laughs) And so uh, it was always natural and easy to communicate with others and just enjoy the company of others. And I found that talking to people helped in the moment. But after they left, I was still left empty. And it's because it's in 
his presence and God's presence, that fullness of joy is found. Mm-hmm. Like the scripture says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And when I am weak, that's when he is strong in me. And it wasn't until I was alone in my grief that I learned the art of pouring my heart out to God mm-hmm. the way that I often did with those who were close to me. Um, there was just something about you know, feeling invisible and alone in my grief and pain that really just drove me to be the most vulnerable with God Mm. and become, you know, comfortable talking to him more than others because he was the only one who knew exactly how I was feeling and what I needed. And God just really began to do heart work in me. Um, and so during the months that followed Hudson's death, God, God really gave me two specific gifts. And that was the gift of time and the gift of loneliness. Mm. And I just learned that, you know, like what it looked like to be lonely with God, because I had time mm. to spend with him. And he was the only one that was going to heal the broken pieces of my heart. And so, like I said, I, I had quit my job. And so I had a lot of time on my hands and it came down to the fact that I had a choice to make. I could become bitter and angry, or I could invest my time in the healing process that God had for me. Wow. And I had to make a daily choice before I believed, meaning that I didn't always feel like getting up every morning and turning on my Hillsong United Empire album that I listened to every day for like six months to a year after, after we lost Hudson, lighting my candle, grabbing my journal and my Bible and sitting in my prayer spot. But I made the choice that I wanted to walk this journey of grief with God and not without him. Wow. So for days and days and even months, there were mornings when I dragged myself to that prayer spot. And I just sat. And so many times tears were my only words but I made a commitment that I was still going to show up because I knew that even my disbelief when brought to Jesus was faith Mm -hmm. before I knew it I started bringing every thought to prayer every raw emotion every question Every broken piece of my heart, I started bringing that to my prayer time and to his word. And I'll just never forget saying things like, Lord, this isn't fair. And I don't want this to be my story. (laughs) And then days later, I would add something like, But Lord, since this is my story, I want you to use it to Mm. bring you glory. And 
And then I would say, I don't really know if I believe what I'm saying. But Lord, I want to believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, because that is what prayer is. Yeah. It is surrendering every single thought to Jesus. Yes. Even the thoughts that we think we shouldn't be thinking. When we bring it to Jesus, it's faith and it's prayer. So and daily, yeah. I'm sorry, I'm not giving you any chance to No, go. You're you're (laughs) preaching. (laughs) Well, daily, I just I was just gonna say I had to to remind myself, you know, that God is not threatened by my doubt nearly as much as he is glorified by my faith. Wow. And every single one of those real ugly thoughts when turned to faith, they were turned to faith as soon as I brought them to the feet of Jesus. And, you know, this wasn't easy. Like I say this now, but I mean, in that moment, it was so challenging. It was so challenging. I had just faced a very, very traumatic experience. And so Mm -hmm. I was living with a ton of PTSD. And looking back, I really was just in such a fog. And I had so many irrational thoughts due to the trauma. Um, I'll give you an example of that. I remember going on on a walk or just going on walks in general, but one particular time I just remember walking and I would pass people, just normal people on my walk. Um, and I'll never forget just, I would like, I would be so overcome with fear that they were going to like, just turn around and stab me and I would be dead. Like I just, I had such irrational thoughts. I remember going on a plane a couple months later after Hudson passed away and, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to die. The plane's going down. There's a terrorist on this plane. I, I remember texting Matt and saying, I love you so much. Like, I'm going to, I think this plane is going down. I think there's a terrorist literally. Like, I mean, my thoughts were just way out there. Hmm. And so when I say that this was a daily choice that I had to make, I mean, this is like, Angie said, this was a minute by minute choice that I literally had to stop dead in my tracks and reroute my thoughts and remind myself that my feelings aren't facts. Yes. And, you know, I've heard, I've heard it said before that your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so I had to be consistent and bring those thoughts to the truth of his word of God's word and and his presence. And just like the scripture says in Romans 4:17, calleth those things which be not as though they were. Yes. I literally had to train my thoughts to line up with truth even if I yes. didn't believe it. Yes. Cuz at the end of the day, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And I just had to speak speak truth. <sighs> Wow, you literally did preach there. I took almost a whole page of notes while you were talking. Uh, I mean, so 
so many things and these are lessons. These are treasures that God has given you mm-hmm. out of a loss that you did not pick. You don't want this mm-hmm. to be your story. None of us want this to be your story, mm-hmm. but these are treasures that God has given you in this dark, dark valley of grief. Um, I just, you know, you called lo- the gift of time and the gift of loneliness, mm. you called them gifts. And you said, I learned mm. what it looked like to be lonely with God. And you said, I invested myself in the healing process. You made a choice every day to invest yourself in the healing mm. process. And that mm. is the that is the key. We all have that option in life, in multiple situations to become bitter or to become better. And it is mm. how we choose to invest our time and how we, those we allow to invest in us and just so many things, like you said, journaling, those things are so healing. And I love how you said, I wanted to walk this journey with With God instead of without God. And you made that decision. Um, Thank you so much. That section right there, that could just be on repeat. That, that was just Mm. all so good. Um, What, things would you say that helped you most practically during that time? Like just Mm. practical things that helped you that might help somebody else walking through their own season of grief. Yeah. Um, So Christian counseling is way up there on that list of just very helpful tool. Um, because I was able to process my feelings with someone who was professionally trained in this field. Mm-hmm. And I was given so many practical tools to get me through the darkest months. Um, and I, I'll never forget when I first met this Christian counselor, I said to her, I don't think I need you. <laughs> and I don't really want to be here. But um, I was told to come by my pastor. So I'm just going to listen to him and I'm going to come. And let me just tell you, I if it didn't cost so much, this girl would be still in counseling every single week because it was such an amazing investment in my life and in my journey. And and it's just unbelievable how you go for something like losing a child, but there's so much more that came up out of that. And just how much I didn't realize, you know, that, you know, I had, I had to say, I had a lot to say and she was able to just really help me. Um, and now as helpful and healing as this was, it was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do at the same time, because it meant being 100% vulnerable with a complete stranger Mm -hmm. and basically reliving my traumatic experience in order to heal. And I, oh my goodness, did I ever just sit in my bed the whole day before counseling. I mean, I'd have a counseling session at 6 p.m. And all day 
before that. I'll never, I just remember just being in my bed and just like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go because it was so hard. It was so hard, but I am so thankful that with the help of my husband and, you know, the encouragement of him and just, you know, the encouragement of knowing that it's going to get worse before it gets better. Um, I did continue to do that. And I'm very thankful I did because that is probably my number one um, tool that I, that I tell people um, it was the most helpful. Um, Staying consistent in daily disciplines, even when I didn't feel like it, um, such a good tool. This meant sometimes just going and sitting, like I said, in my prayer spot, but having no words to pray, mm. but just telling the devil, I might not have anything to say, but I'm coming here and this is my prayer spot and, yes. and you're not going to win today. You're not today, Satan. <laughs> yes. But, um, so, you know, just being consistent, that might look like the same thing every day for six months, not saying a word, but knowing the devil, knowing this is my prayer spot and this is where I meet God and I'm here and I might not say anything right now, but I'm here mm. and just making that choice. Um, the voices I allowed to influence me, um, the power of influence is so real and so powerful. Um, so choosing who and what I would allow to impact me in such a vulnerable state was really critical to my healing journey. Uh, sticking to routines, church attendance, counseling sessions, even working out, stuff like that. All of the routines, sticking to those and not breaking away from those routines. Um, um, Sundays we go to church. That's not going to change even when I feel like not going to church. Mm -hmm. Um that was such, you know, stuff, these little practical tools were just, they seem little, but I'm not kidding you. When you are in a season of grief and you are in a fog and you are in this state of like, I don't feel like doing anything. I'm in pain. I'm crippled. I am devastated. I am heartbroken, but just eventually you're, Feelings will catch up. Your heart will catch up as long as you just be consistent. Journaling. Um, journaling is a gift to your future self. Mm. And this, um, my Hudson journal is so special. Mm. I have a whole journal that I started before he was born. I started writing to him. And so I have a few pages in the beginning that are all to him and um, pictures of his ultrasounds and, and all that stuff um, in the beginning of that journal. But then um, I just continued that and that's been my Hudson journal and I have pictures and I have uh, taped flowers in there and cards upon cards and Every single detail of that season of my life is in that Hudson journal. And I went back and looked at it just before this interview. And it's unbelievable. The amount of stuff that I wrote that I said in there, the, the words that I said, I'm just in awe. Like I, I said that, like, I didn't feel that way, but I said like, Lord, you are good. Like I said that, like, I didn't feel that like he was good. And so 
it's just so amazing to, to go back and look at that journal. Um, books is another thing that I, 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 like I said, I had time, I had the gift of time. And so I read books that ministered to my grieving heart. And they helped me so much. Um, Every Bitter Thing is Sweet by Sarah Haggerty. Unseen by Sarah Haggerty. Uh, I Will Carry You by Angie Smith. Uh, Through the Eyes of a Lion uh, by Levi Lesko. Those are some books that I just really just dug deep and um, read. And I just found so much hope in those books. I had the opportunity to minister to someone else who had lost their child just shortly after we lost Hudson. Um, And I just found that ministering to someone else's pain really helped put things in perspective for me and my situation. Um, Although pain, you know, looks different for everyone. I look, I learned that um, I'm not alone in my pain Mm -hmm. and really it was a perspective shift when I heard, you know, her story and that, and I heard others stories of loss. Um, and one in particular, this um, is another tool that really helped me. Um, Caroline is a lady who um, God used. Um, I had never met her before, but she ministered to me deeply. Uh, she had also lost a son and she, she reached out to me with the most helpful and practical email after losing Hudson and her words from then until even recently, um, are, we've, we've kept in contact over the last six years and, um, they really have been a gift to me. And I still have quotes memorized from her that I, that I refer to often, um, one of those things that she said to me was eventually you'll realize and feel like you are proof that both joy and sorrow, happiness and unbearable grief, they can all be intermingled and really they will be for the rest of your life. Brutiful. It's one of my favorite words because it so accurately describes life. It's all just so brutiful, isn't it? And she also prayed, I'll just give you one more here. Um, She prayed a prayer when she closed out that very first email. And I say this, I have it memorized, um, but I just love it. It says, Lord, I would have loved to hold my baby on my lap and tell him all about you. But since I did not get the chance, will you hold him on yours and tell him about me? And so I went to Caroline often with so many questions and there's just something about talking to someone who has walked the same or a similar path of grief that just brings a whole nother level of comfort, um, you know, to your journey. So those were just a few practical tips that really, really helped me during that season. So many valuable things there. I'm just going to kind of go over that list again. You said counseling, staying consistent in daily disciplines, um, Bible reading and prayer, things like that. You said, even if you didn't have words to say, you would just say, I'm here. I'm in my spot. This is where I connect with God. 
um, choosing the right voices to speak into your life, routines, um, journaling, that it's a gift to your future self, books. And I will link to the books that you mentioned in the show notes so that others can um, take a look at those as well. And then ministering to somebody else, ministering to other people. And obviously not everybody can have a Caroline, but I do believe Mm. that the things that you're sharing today will be that for somebody else, be Mm. that voice of hope and comfort in their darkness. Speaking of comfort, can you talk about comfort? First Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. What have you learned about comfort on this journey? Mm. Yeah, so my grief and my pain was an invitation for intimacy and vulnerability with God. And that vulnerability really led to the healing comfort of God. And practically speaking, um, I really believe the comfort of God in the darkest season of my life came to me in the form of encouragement in ways I didn't always expect. And through the things that I often had to look for, Mm. Um, he comforted me through a card that came in the mail with encouraging scriptures and words of hope. He comforted me by way of my mom coming over week after week to clean my house or by the 13 people, beautiful peony bushes that bloomed shortly after my flowers from my funeral or from Hudson's funeral died. He comforted me when I was holding on by a thread, asking him just to give me a word. And I would open my Bible to a scripture that just spoke directly to my aching heart. He comforted me when my next door neighbor wrapped her arms around me in the middle of Target baby section as I was weeping, trying to find a perfect little outfit for a friend and her baby. He comforted me when my friends would just show up unannounced to give me a hug or a treat that they brought over because the Lord had laid me on their heart or with a meal that people would bring over for us. He comforted me with sunshine when it was supposed to be rainy or the bug line behind my home to take a walk to clear my mind or just to get some fresh air. He comforted me when my husband gave, came home from work with a Starbucks in hand <laughs> <laughs> and, when my, <laughs> and when my friend brought LuLaRoe clothes over and said, pick whatever you want. <laughs> he comforted me with text messages from friends wishing Hudson a happy heavenly birthday or when they brought gifts over for the kids, Matt and I on his birthday. In fact, as I sat writing this today, on Hudson's sixth heavenly birthday, I received a ring at my doorbell. (laughs) with flowers delivered 
from friends reminding me that Hudson's testimony lives on. And I could just go on and on with the amount of comfort I received from God that often came through people. So never underestimate the power of a smile, a hug, a text, a phone call, a gift, a card, or even just your presence. And you know, this is biblical. Um, We see this happen so often in the Bible. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 7, 6-7, But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy, but so was the news he brought of the encouragement he received from you when he told us how much you long to see me and how sorry you are for what happened and how loyal you are to me. I was filled with joy. It's like a ripple effect. God encouraged the discouraged by the arrival of Titus. Titus's presence and his words brought encouragement. And they were filled with joy. And Paul also says in 1 Thessalonians 5, encourage each other and build each other up. And he says to comfort the feeble-minded and support the weak. And this is just what Matt and I received from the body of Christ and from our family, love and support and strength in the most difficult times. And it really is such a gift. Um, But, you know, I do believe that the key to all of this is that I had to recognize and acknowledge all of those things as gifts of comfort from God. Mm. And it wasn't always easy to do. I mean, there were plenty of lonely, hard days that I really had to look to find the comfort of God. But it was there because Matthew 5, 4 says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And he's there comforting us. We just sometimes have to look a little harder. And my brother reminded me once when I was at a very low point. I was actually weeping in the church hallway as the first baby dedication was taking place and Hudson wasn't being dedicated. Reagan reminded me that we cannot experience the comfort of God until there is discomfort. And while we all would rather live life completely free of discomfort, there are treasures, like you said, that can only be found there in the dark place. The Bible says, I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. And that is what I found. That's all so powerful. And it really is, like you said, the key is recognizing and acknowledging all those Mm. different ways that God brought comfort into your life. And it's all about choice it's about Mm. choosing his presence choosing to see the comfort and so many times when we're in dark seasons it is just so natural for us to see we're we're Mm -hmm. in pain we are consumed Mm -hmm. with the pain we see the darkness and we have to intentionally 
choose to look for, like you said, and recognize the ways that God is at work in the middle of that. Um, many of us haven't go- gone through this sort of grief. I've watched you walk through it, which has been its own sort of suffering, just feeling so helpless at times, not knowing what to do, wanting to do something, not wanting to do the wrong thing. Um, and so many times we want to offer words of encouragement, but we don't know what to say. What did people say um, during this time that was helpful and what was not helpful during this time? And I understand everybody grieves differently, but what do you personally feel is the best way to support somebody that has gone through devastating loss? Mm, yeah. My best advice for this is probably that it really is okay to have nothing to say. Mm. However, don't let your lack of words stop you from just being there. A hug, a smile, a meal often says it all. Be available. Grief is such a delicate journey in that you really just don't know what the next minute will hold or when you'll be okay to laugh. And so if the person who is grieving wants to share stories or memories or laugh or cry, then that's what you do with them. If all of a sudden the next minute they're in tears, then you or your hug or your presence And maybe even your tears really are enough. Um, The Bible says in Romans 12, 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. And my friends and my family really did just that. Whenever I went, wherever I went in my grief, they came with me. And I just, you know, I may, I may not remember a lot of what people said to me during that crucial time, but I do remember who was there and who made themselves available. And I will say um, this too, that Pastor Hanthorn said something to Matt and I before Hudson's funeral that really helped us. He said that some people are going to be clumsy with their words, but their intentions are pure And so just have grace for people in those moments. And it's so true. People mean well. And I think, you know, just we just had so much grace for people because we knew that they didn't mean to be, you know, say things, you know, in in a mean way or say things that were hurtful. They didn't mean that. They just were maybe a little clumsy because they didn't know what to say and they were nervous or, you know, and so Mm -hmm. that really helped us. because if he wouldn't have said that, we probably would have been like, what in the world? Because we did receive some clumsy words, even, you know, like at his funeral. And so um, it just really helped, you know, that he reminded us of that um, on our end, you know, like that we have to just remember that, you know, people who aren't in this situation or aren't in this season, they want to help and they think they're helping, Um you know, by giving us encouraging words. Um, and it might not be very helpful in that moment, but just remember that their intentions are pure. Mm-hmm. And so that was just really helpful. So, yeah. So 
what I'm hearing you say is being there for people is more mm. important than the words you say it just yes. came to my mind as you were talking and I don't have the direct quote but I remember hearing Rick Warren who also lost a child um a, an older child but he he just talked about um he said the deeper the pain the less words you say he said mm. you don't need to say anything you just need mm-hmm. to be there and I think that mm-hmm. that's important for me to remember it's probably important for mm-hmm. all of us to remember because you want to fix right you want to do you want to you know have that word fitly spoken yeah and and I will say like even I remember a couple people they would say hey um, we're bringing you a meal this week when is a good time mm. and and I just loved that because like when people say like, Hey, just so you know, um, let us know if you need something. Well, guess what? Like, I mean, I need a lot of things right now, but like, I don't know. Am I, do I feel comfortable just really going down the list and asking? So when, you know, someone, when people would say that, I just remember being like, Oh, thank you, Lord. <laughs> like that was just a gift right there. Like just yeah. to say Hey, I'm going to bring this for you. You don't have to be there even. You don't have to, you know, like to, to, to receive it. I'll leave it on your doorstep, but I am going to bring you a meal or, you know, and so I just loved that too. That was so helpful. Um, looking back, uh, that was just, cause again, yeah, too, like you're just, you don't have the, the mind, like the capacity sometimes in your brain to be like, okay, well, I do need stuff, but what, you know, what do I need? And, you know, in your, your fog of a mind you just um sometimes yeah you just don't know all that you need right then so it was just really helpful when people would do things like that like hey I'm gonna do this so what can I bring you know and so that's a that's a good tip too yeah so make the decision for the person yeah yeah don't ask them what because like you said probably a million things and just mm-hmm. do that brain work for them and mm-hmm. do, do what yes. you can. Especially um, in those first moments or those first few weeks, you know, those first few weeks are just the worst because again, it's just like such agony and pain in those first few weeks. And I mean, it is for a while too, but you know, it's just very crucial time. So yes, so helpful. So be there and just do mm. something and ask when you can do the something. And mm-hmm. maybe you can add on, like, is there anything else, you know, because right. like, they recognize it's not just an, a vague offer of like, oh, right. I would be willing to do something, but it's, I'm already doing something. Can I do something additional? Yeah. Um, loss. I'm going to go just move to another question. Um, can, loss can so often challenge our faith in a deep way. Um, it's, often that it makes us question God's goodness. It can make us second guess everything we believe. And I have seen your faith stand those tests and come out on the other side. What were the keys to keeping your faith through this long process of grief? Yes. um, You know, I had to establish my faith and speak and stand firm on what I did know Mm. and not act upon what I didn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were so many unknowns and I just had to fix my eyes on the things that I couldn't necessarily see. um, But that I know was truth. And I know 
that I did know, right? And not act upon what I didn't. Mm -hmm. And I just had to make a choice, a daily choice that I was going to be a follower of Jesus. And that meant no matter where he took me Mm. and no matter the outcome, I was determined to follow him and he was my guide. His word was my source of strength. I had to memorize scripture that I didn't really believe, but I spoke and um, that is what grounded me because apart from him, I can do nothing and I'm either going to go through this with him or without him because I'm already in this. This is my Mm -hmm. story now. And, and wow, did I find so many treasures in walking through grief with him. Mm such dependence I had to place all my knowledge and all my dependence on him and he just led me day after day he just led me that is just such an incredible line you made a daily choice that you were going to be a follower of Jesus no matter where he led you And that is trust in a nutshell. God, Mm -hmm. I'm going to go through the fire. I'm going to go through the flood. Mm -hmm. It's not Mm -hmm. the story I would have scripted or the story I would have preferred. I trust you that your ways are higher. You have the whole picture. You see what I can't see. And like I said, you know, just in that question, so many times we unanswered prayers. They make us second guess that God is good or that God is for Mm -hmm. us. And, you know, I would just echo those words to anybody else that's going through loss or through some other form of pain, affirm what you do know, Mm -hmm. fix your eyes on what you can't necessarily see and make a daily choice to be a follower of Jesus. And Mm -hmm. I think that anybody that does that is going to say the same thing that there's so many treasures and walking through grief with God. Um, Is there, can you just tell us um, the rest of your story? There's been so much beauty that God has unfolded and beautiful gifts that God has given you since the loss of Hudson. And can you just give us a little nutshell version of what God has done in your life over the last six years? Yes. So, um, tons of um, gifts and beauty that have come from that, but three in particular, and those are the three children that God gave us after Hudson, Um, six months after losing Hudson, uh, we got pregnant with our darling Bowen beauty. She truly was our rainbow after the storm our beauty from ashes 21 months later our precious tiny five pound leona love came and she still is as tiny as ever and she's a little (laughs) love with the biggest heart she is (laughs) and (laughs) and then finally our lawson james came in october 2022 and you know i just gotta say that it wasn't until right before getting pregnant with him that I felt my heart was ready to have another boy. 
pregnancy after loss was a whole other journey for a whole nother podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was a journey of trust. Um, And especially because uh, my pregnancy with Hudson was perfect and there was nothing wrong. And so, you know, for, for us, it was like, okay, so, so are, so is this pregnancy like, so, but, but it's, so is something going to go wrong now? Like is, cause this pregnancy is perfect too. And, you know, so it was just a whole other, oh my goodness, so much trust, um, and just dependence, true dependence on God in, in the pregnancies after losing Hudson. But, um, I really believe God gave me two beautiful, healthy girls before giving me another boy because he was giving me some more time to heal. And I'll never forget um, the day before finding out I was pregnant with Lawson. I happened to look out the window and I saw a mom playing with her son And I just started crying in that moment. And I prayed a simple prayer of, Lord, my heart is ready to have another boy. And all my children, but particularly Lawson, due to the fact that I was supposed to be a boy mom to Hudson, has just been tangible proof that God did not waste my pain. And while he doesn't replace Hudson, Lawson has filled a piece of my heart that I wasn't sure would be filled until heaven. And God really has blessed us and just really shown us that he didn't waste our pain. God never wastes pain. And I Mm -mm. would just say that your three kids that are here Mm -mm. that I get to see every week are so mm-hmm. cute and so lovable and just what a blessing they've been um mm-hmm. especially yes. the loss that that you've gone through there's just so many questions i could ask and so many things that we could talk about today um but for the sake of time in closing is there anything else that you would like to share is there anything that you um, feel would be a help or an encouragement to somebody that's walking through any sort of pain. You are not alone. And the enemy wants you to keep your season of loneliness and pain hidden in the darkness mm-hmm. because he knows that healing happens when it's brought to light. And I just want to read Psalm 139, a few verses from this passage. Um, And I just encourage you to read this when you're feeling alone. The Bible says, Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know, when I sit down or stand up, you know, my thoughts, even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know, everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the 
farthest oceans. Even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. And I just want you to know that you're not alone in your pain. And we have a promise that we can hold tight to. And that is in Psalms 84, 6. That when, when they walk through the valley of weeping, it will become a place of refreshing springs. Mm. And... You know, peace is not found in the absence of a storm. It is found in the presence of God. And that peace is not a, you know, it's not what the world can, is going to give you. It's right. peace that is found. The Bible says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace, and the peace I give is a gift the world can't give, right? And mm-hmm. so... We don't have to be troubled or afraid. And he's going to give you joy. And you, your pain is not going to be wasted. Amen. Sermon number 10 <laughs> for today's episode. Um, I love that verse that you read from Psalms 84. And in the King James, mm. it says, who passing through the Valley of Baca or the Valley of Weeping, make it a well. And mm. the Virginia you read said refreshing spring. But it's it's both. It's a well. It's a well that you draw from to minister to other people. It's not just oh, yeah. refreshing for you, but it's refreshing and ministry for other people. And thank you so much. And really, you know, really the well that you're talking about is like, it's refreshing to you, but when you pour out, that's Mm. also refreshing to you, you know, like when I pour out, I find so much joy in that. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like they both work in tandem right there. So I love that too. Yes. Yeah, that is so true. That is one of the key takeaways I've learned in my life is there is so much healing and so much joy in pouring out and pouring out to others. Yeah. And God then just refills you to continue Mm. to pour out Mm. into other Mm. people. And Mm. you have a deep well. You've shared a lot. And I know um, that a lot of that is because of this journey of grief that you've walked through. And so thank you so much from being willing to, or being willing to share from deep places, from deep pain. I know that this has not been easy for you, um, but I really truly believe that the things that you've shared here are going to help others who are walking through their own season of grief, their own season of pain or difficulty. So thank you so much for being on unedited today. Yes, thank you for having me. If you're facing pain or loss or grief today, I do truly pray that something Maggie shared on this episode will be a beacon of hope in your own darkness. Happy Good Friday. Thank you, Jesus, for your blood. And thank you so much for joining me for this journey. I look forward to meeting up with you again next Friday. If you have questions, you can visit megunedited.com. For now, go grab your journal and your Bible.
I look forward to the power of this episode in your life. This is unedited. This is for you. Happy, happy, and very good.